Hello, everyone, and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 61st episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am your host, Zach Pensack. Zachary M. Pensack is my full legal name on my checkbook, alongside my friend, Adam Goffin. Adam, what is your full legal name on your checkbook? Footy Zach. Adam Ronald Christopher Goffin. <laughs> I wanted to throw you off there, and you you rebounded nicely. Adam Ronald Christopher. That's right. Yeah, Ronald, my grandfather, Christopher, my dad. What what what's Ooh. the M stand for? Max. Max. You look like a Mac. Like, I can see that. Like Max Meyer. Like, like Max Meyer. I don't look anything like Max Meyer. <laughs> uh, like uh, what, what did what did Saint Maximin change his Twitter name to? Because uh, who was it? Oh, Graham Soundness. No, it's Paul Paul Pearlmerson. What do you call him? He called him Sam Maxon. Sam Sam Maximus. (laughs) Sam Maximus. It was. I read that. That's how. That's how. That's how. Sounds like one of uh one of Joaquin Phoenix's like uh orderlies in Gladiator. (laughs) It's fantastic. Paul Merson is just a terrible human being. So it was great to see (laughs) Alan Sam Maximus. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't know a lot about football, but that's okay. Some people don't. Just other people's are. He knows a lot about alcohol and abusing alcohol, though. So, ooh, like <laughs> dark detail. Um, <laughs> so we are we are out here. Sixty first episode today is Monday, February the eighth. It's a good day to be alive, Adam. We're gonna be running through some fun stuff today. We have a couple matches to chat about, and then we're gonna give a big old breakdown on the transfer window, which closed about a week ago. Um, yeah, talk about. Pretty much every team. We will talk about every team, the moves they made or did not make. Uh, mention if any teams in particular filled some of the areas we mentioned in our mid-year recaps needed to be improved or if they missed out on that. Uh, and then from there, we will continue along, take a couple commercial breaks. Then, Adam, we have another interview. This is two pods in a row. Who are we talking to today or who did you talk to? Yeah, really excited for this one. So it was a great, great fun interview that I did on Saturday. Um, Actually, after the Newcastle game and after the Arsenal game, we got Dane Jensen, friend of the pod, on to talk a little bit about Joe Willock. Um, Dane is an Arsenal fan, so he's been following Joe Willock's career for a few years now. And then he actually gave us a little bit of insight into how he's feeling. We actually talked to a reasonable Arsenal fan about um, his thoughts on the state of the club, Mikel Arteta, and all that good stuff. So I've uh, got about a 15-minute interview there with Dane that we're going to do, and we're going to plug into the pod. Uh, and then we're going to round it out, as we always do, Zach, with some beautiful 10 and 90. I'm going to tell you what the EPL trivia answer is, but you don't even know the question yet. I'll get there in a second. And then we're going to talk about the three games that we're looking forward to this upcoming weekend. And there are some good ones. Spoiler alert. Well, Alrighty then, that's a setting the bar high. Cool, yeah, that is a, a good recap of everything we're going to have on the docket for today. A lot of information, so Adam, let's get started, and we'll start with EPL trivia. So if folks uh, have not listened to our last couple episodes, quite all right. Uh, this is a new segment that Adam introduced in which he will uh, give a series of three different clues to a EPL-related trivia question, and then reveal the answer at the end of of the pod. So I'll give a clue now, I'll give one in the middle, and then at the very end, he'll give a final clue. I will take my guess, and the listeners at home, you can be thinking on it as well as you listen to the episode. So Adam, uh, what is the first clue for EPL trivia today? 
All right, so the first clue, Zach, and I'm, I'm thinking this week you may know this one. And if you do, I think you'll know it straight away. So we'll see how you do here. Which player, current player, scored the fastest Premier League hat trick on record in a total of two minutes and 56 seconds of gameplay? All righty. I do believe I know who this is. So I'm excited to hear your future clues to make sure that I know who it is, although I think I know who it is. So. Right, a roundabout way listeners of... get your thinking caps on we're going to be uh, we're going to be giving you some more clues as the podcast rolls on as zach mentioned wonderful so a couple uh notable matches that happened this past weekend it was match day 23 in the premier league uh the first one we will start out with is the manchester city liverpool match this was on sunday morning it was certainly the most marquee matchup of the weekend. Had the defending champions against City, who are currently sitting in first with a game in hand. Uh, and what an interesting one this was. Entertaining from the off, pretty much stretched from the first kick. Uh, and the first big event was the penalty for Manchester City. Uh, it was earned by Raheem Sterling, who... It, it was a stonewall penalty in my mind. He went around, uh, I believe it was first trying to Alexander-Arnold, who gave almost no effort to stop him. And then Tiago was the one who ultimately com committed the foul. Upstepped Elke Gundogan. And a lot of commentators were saying, and kind of analysts were saying, that right when they saw his run-up, they knew that something was wrong. Interesting. Yeah, I, it was it was great. I love the camera angle that they showed it on on American TV over here. It's basically that the above, kind of like behind. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you could see exactly where he was going to blaze it over the bar into the stands at. Um, it was it was a great camera angle and he duly obliged just as Riyad Mahrez did just as um, <laughs> just as Kevin De Bruyne did in this reverse fixture earlier in the season. And he blazed it over. Um, Crazy, crazy that uh, Manchester City have been so poor from penalties. That's three missed penalty kicks on the season for them now. Obviously, they're missing Kevin De Bruyne, but he's not um, exempt of guilt himself. He's missed a couple. He missed a penalty this season as well. So interesting, interesting turn of events there. I did, to your point, Zach, um, think it was an interesting turn of events. Also, that Raheem Sterling, ex-Liverpool, was brought down for the penalty. He's, I mean. A lot of people forget that Sterling started his career at Anfield and went very early on over to Manchester City. He's he certainly kind of made himself a name as a City player more so than a Liverpool player at this point. Definitely. He he was kind of a work in progress when he went over to City. And I think I think the big deal at that point was that a lot of people knew the talent that he had and and were pretty devastated that he was going over to a rival. But I would say he was probably man of the match in this one for me. He set up obviously that penalty and then he went on to set up the first goal that Ilki Gondwan scored so Gondwan actually made up for his penalty miss scoring two in that game the first uh, assisted by Raheem Sterling the second assisted in a beautiful run of play by Phil Foden Phil Foden also had a phenomenal match he might have been man of the match as well especially with his strike to make it four uh, so Manchester City came away with it eventually four one winners uh, big story from this match was how poorly Allison played. Probably the worst match that he has put out in a Liverpool kit. Really at fault for two of the City goals with seemingly simple passes that he had to make out of the back that went right to the feet of Manchester City players and then turned immediately into goals. One of those that, as a keeper, you just need to forget, but a very, very poor match from a world-class goalie. 
Yeah, interesting dynamic there. Obviously, the two rivals for the Brazilian starting spot playing against each other. And certainly, I've been a critic of Ederson's in the past. He get, definitely came off a little better in this one, that's for sure. You mentioned uh, Sterling man of the match. You also mentioned Phil Foden. I think Phil Foden was man of the match for me. I think he's in phenomenal form right now, and I'm excited for England to take him to the Euros. Um, I think just the other the other talking point for this one is really that Manchester City have struggled historically at Anfield. Um, and they came in this time and they absolutely thoroughly dominated it in a game that Liverpool had to win. Liverpool were seven points behind in the title race going into this game, knowing that they would also have a game, that City would have a game in hand regardless of what happened in this in this fixture. City went on and won it 10 points clear of Liverpool now and still with another game in hand could be 13, probably will be 13 when they win that game in hand. They're in fine form. They've won their last five right now. So, well, last, last, I think, 12, I think. But the form table in the league, they're the only team that has won their last five. Looking pretty much like this might be tied up already, do you think? I wouldn't say tied up necessarily, just because the the gap is not super significant. They're up five points on uh, Manchester United, although, as you mentioned, with a game in hand. But City is cooking right now. Nobody seems to be able to touch uh, Manchester City. They're getting... Goals from everywhere in the midfield. They've only allowed 14 goals on the season. The only club that has allowed under 20. So everything does seem to be coming together. Uh, last thing I'll say at Liverpool, did you see that this was the first time that they have lost three consecutive home matches since Bill Shankly was the manager of that club in the 60s? I did not see that. That's quite the statistic given they won. They had been undefeated like 46 in a row before that. It's pretty crazy. To Bur- think about Burnley, Bur- Burnley, Burnley Brighton, Brighton in Manchester City. You can forgive the Manchester City one, but the Burnley-Brighton ones are certainly going to cost them come the end mm-hmm. of the season. Re- regarding Manchester City and potentially being favorites in this title race right now, looking at the table right now, you've got City first, Manchester United second, Leicester third, Liverpool fourth, Chelsea fifth, and then yeah, after that, maybe. Um, probably probably those five teams are the, are the closest contenders. Who is the most likely to stop them, Zach? Is it still Liverpool? Demon- do them and United now? I I'd say it's certainly not Liverpool. Do them and United play again? That they would do. be think, an interesting. They yeah, they do. Them. They do. The beginning of March. So I'd say United. United is I, I mean playing the second best football in the Premier League right now. Uh, so I'd say if they can Eight stay from fifteen is the is second best football in the Premier League. Eight from fifteen. Chelsea's actually won their last three games. Oh, okay. So I guess that was not a terribly descriptive. Phrase. I mean. In the in the sense that they are second in the table, so they are right. you know they're they're the second best team on the season currently. I think if if they stay within you know snapping distance of City and can get that win, then we have a title race. But if City, let's say if by March six when that game is being played, City extends their lead to around ten above second, then I don't think it matters. Then I think it's over. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think Manchester the, I, United of all teams has the best shot because I think that they are coming together as a team. And we'll, we'll I mean, maybe this is a good time to intro into their uh, a bit of a collapse on the weekend to not get three points against Everton. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, I, I think you're absolutely right in that Manchester United are probably the team that's closest to them. But just looking at the form of the teams below City and how dominant City have been and how much strength and depth they have, I'm calling it now 22 games in for City. City champions. It's wild. Manchester City is the Manchester City and Chelsea are the only clubs to have won their last two matches in the Premier League. 
That's yeah. how inconsistent everybody is. Is two of twenty clubs have won their last two matches. Yep. Pretty United, United um, always have that run in them, and as you know, Leicester can can never string together those results. Liverpool were the team you thought would rival them and would keep the consistency, but Liverpool, you know, after kind of turning the ship around a little bit, have now lost their last two. So it's true. So. On to Manchester United, though. Uh, they did have a brutal, brutal dropping of points on the weekend, up 2-0 at halftime against Everton, and uh, then with seemingly no time left, up 3-2, to two, giving up a goal with ultimately the last kick of the game on a uh, free kick pumped into the box. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Adams' man, got to the end of it, tapped it right between the legs of David De Gea to make it 3-3 as the whistle blew. So huge, huge Two points dropped for Manchester United after their uh, their local rivals picked up those points against Liverpool. Yeah, what a game it was and what an end to it it was. It was actually four minutes of injury time and then we had some uh, some stoppages during injury time. It was 94-45 when Calvert-Lewin grabbed that equalizer to make it 3-3. Everton were 2-0 down at halftime, pulled it back to 2-2. Fantastic strike by James Rodriguez. An even better one uh, earlier on in the game that um, made him 2-0 up by Bruno Fernandes. He's, he's a phenomenal player. Running out of superlatives for that man. I'd say the next superlative is probably player of the year for Bruno Fernandez. I would say right now he, yeah, that's right. Clean as they come, just dipped right over, um, right over the head of the keeper Olsen. And yeah, nonetheless, though, Manchester United could not shut the door. Everton getting uh, a big point. They've been slipping a little bit. They're still a point up on Tottenham. So they are right now outside of the Everton cup restrictions of eighth or lower, Hopefully Everton will drop future points and land in eighth where they belong. But a, a big point, big points dropped for Manchester United. And as you said, a, a pretty entertaining fixture from, from start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I love that shout on Bruno Fernandes potentially for player of the season. I can't think of any player that's been as consistent as he has all year long in terms of goals, in terms of assists, in terms of the difference he makes to that team. Like when you think of a player of a season, that's what you want, a difference maker, right? And he, he does it mm-hmm. all. Yeah, I think that what's interesting about like the, the Premier League versus American sports is in American sports, you have MVP, which te- typically is just most outstanding stats at the end of the year, but technically it means most valuable player. So the player that is most valuable to their club. And I think that's where Bruno Fernandez steps in here is I don't think Bruno Fernandez is going to end the season with maybe the most outrageous statistics, uh, but in terms of importance to the club, he is the most important player, single player to a single club in the Premier League, without a doubt. Yep. I I, I have nothing to say other than I agree with you wholeheartedly. He's He's been a phenomenal and, buy for them. And the only other player that might rival that, Alan St. Maximin, at Newcastle United. Let's go to Newcastle. A shock, shock three points that we gained on the weekend. One of the most topsy-turvy, wild Newcastle games that I have watched in ages, Adam. Yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it, I'll try and give a quick synopsis on this one. So Newcastle started this game with a really, really exciting front four. We had Callum Wilson up top as he normally is. And then sitting in behind, we had Miggy in the number 10 position. And then we had on the left, St. Maximin, and on the right, Joe Willock. So you saw that front four, Joe Willock getting his first start. You're pretty excited, right? We started like we meant business. St. Maximin pushing forward on the left-hand side, pulls it back, 1-0, beautiful goal for Joe Willock. Then another one pulled back for um, Miggy Almiron, 
shot comes in, wicked deflection, a little bit fortunate, you could say, but nevertheless, it's 2-0 to Newcastle. And then that's when the game started to get a little bit interesting. Uh, we had uh, a really great goal to pull it back to 2-1 from Minamino. Um, and then right after that, we saw Javier Manquillo go off with an injury. We saw Callum Wilson go off with an injury. And all before halftime, so we've made two substitutions prior to halftime. Um, and right before halftime hits, Miggy grabs a second goal off a horrible, horrible mistake defensively. I think it was Romeo who made the mistake um, for Southampton. Miggy capitalizes, puts Newcastle up 3-1. You think, this game is looking really promising. Second half starts, John Joe Shelby, guilt-edged chance to make it 4-1, misses it. They duly go down the other end, get a free kick, and Jesus Ward-Prowse makes it 3-2. Minute later, pull back, second yellow card, blatant, stupid from um, from our boy, Jeff Hendrick. Well, he's not really our boy, but enough said. Um, so it's 3-2. We're down to 10 men. 40 minutes of the game left. About 20 minutes to go. We have an injury. We've actually tried to shore it up after the um, the red card, and we brought on Paul Dummett for St. Maximin, who doesn't really have the legs, um, having not played a full game for some time. And we bring on um, Dummett to try and shore it up at the back. And then, of course, with 20 minutes to go, Fabian Shaw, horror knee injury, probably out for the rest of the season comes off and we have nine men for 10 15 minutes can we hold on zach you bet your bottom dollar we can three two to the tune the nine men see it out for a massive three points taking us up to 25 that means we need one point per game from our remaining 15 to stay up well that's not true because 40 points does not mean you stay in the premier league but i liked everything else you said in that fantastic <laughs> Recap of the match. Uh, yeah, a lot of wild moments there. James Ward-Prowse proving that he probably has the best free kick in the world right now. Certainly the best free kick in the Premier League. Him and Bruno Fernandes actually might go head-to-head for that one. Um, Jeff Hendrick proving how worthless he is to this team. Hopefully he does not uh, see himself in the starting 11 for, in my mind, the rest of the season if players stay healthy. And then, you're right, that, that defensive kind of lockdown that that we had down at least a man for 40 minutes, two men for the last 20. Uh, ridiculous to me that you can't make a substitution if a player goes down injured. I know that they just implemented the rule that if it's a head injury and you're out of subs, you can make an additional sub, but I don't really see the point of there being a difference. If a player gets stretchered off, why is that less severe than a head injury would be my point here. Uh, so kind of a ridiculous antiquated part of football, which there are many, uh, but yeah, huge, huge win. Dummett came on, played fantastic. I'd say Isaac Hayden was probably man of the match. Him or, him or Miggy. Miggy was phenomenal. Um, pretty much everybody besides Jeff Hendrick played well. Even Shel- Shelby was fine, which is the best that I think you can expect out of him. But yeah, massive, massive win for the team. Massive for Joe Willick to get a goal on his debut. We'll be touching on debut goals for Newcastle a bit later. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But yeah, great game. Uh, obviously the CHN boys will go into a bit more detail on it during their pod, but a spectacular one to watch. Yeah. What a, what a fantastic game to watch. Like you said. So I I honestly feel like I I lost a couple of years off my life watching that one. I was pacing around the living room towards the end of the game with my cup of tea. My wife was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, shut up. There's like 15 minutes left. I've got a pace for the rest of the game. Did it. I paced. It was, if I hadn't paced around the living rooms that there's no way we would have won that game. Okay. All right. Don't don't tell your wife to shut up. Just provide context. I probably, as to said, I probably I probably said it nicer than that. Actually, I take it back. I take it back. But hey, I'll you tell you something. Have. 
<laughs> I probably didn't say anything mean like that because I am a good husband, listeners. Um, anyway, um, on to Southampton. Um, the only team in the Premier League, Zach, to have lost five in a row right now. That is true. They are falling Crazy. apart of the seams. Crazy. Falling apart of the seams yeah. at the moment. They had two... It was it now one starter from the Manchester United game who got a straight red who wasn't available. They've had a number of injuries, but things seem to be falling apart at Southampton. The goals have dried up for Danny Ings. Che Adams, as I told you, Adam, is not a very good striker, <laughs> although not a ton of supply in this one. It was kind of a, a fairly quiet, or not a fairly quiet second half for uh, Carl Darlow, but uh, only a few shots on goal that he really did have to defend, although he did a great job, especially on the header from, I think it was Jan Benderak at the beginning of the second half that Darlow kept out. But yeah, big win for Newcastle, Southampton slipping, as you said, only club in the Prem with uh, five losses in a row. Yep, and four points separate us and Southampton right now. So that's a that's a big one right now. Is the fact that we're closing in on them, who were top of the table earlier on in the season, humbled us, humbled us somewhat when we played at St. Mary's earlier in the year. My, how the times have changed, my friend. That's true. Cool. All right, so we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we are back, we'll dive into transfer window news. We are back with the false nines. We're going to dive into the transfer window news again. We'll, we'll just quickly run through each club in the Premier League. We won't spend too much time on any of them because there are 20 clubs, as you all probably know at this point. And just talk about who came in, who left, anything notable about those players. If not, then we can just keep on going to the next one. So start alphabetically here, Adam. Arsenal. What happened with Arsenal? What happened in North London? So there was a lot more outbound activity at Arsenal, um, Arteta moving players on. We saw Mesut Ozil finally um, leave Arsenal on a free transfer to Fenerbahce. We saw Sed Kolasinac and Socrates leave for Schalke. Interestingly, Kolasinac was a loan. Socrates was a free transfer. Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, went on loan to West Brom, which I thought was a great pickup for them. And then, of course, our boy Joe Willock, goal scorer extraordinaire. Um, on loan for the rest of the season for Newcastle. They did have one inbound signing. They've been a little bit light um, on goalkeepers since they let Martinez go. And in fact, in that 1-0 win, Martinez was man of the match this past weekend at home for, for Villa against Arsenal, coming back to haunt them that one. But they brought in Matt Ryan um, on loan from Brighton, who has not been first-choice starter for a little while now there. Well, that was a really astute signing for Arsenal. Matt Ryan, plenty of Premier League experience and a pretty solid keeper on his day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, depth though is important, especially if you're still in cups, still in tournaments, and just want to make any sort of run up the table, as we've seen with Newcastle, losing Dubravka and having Darlow, who has turned into a really sure-handed keeper himself. So smart move for Arsenal there. I like that one. Do you feel like there's a missed opportunity for them then in terms of bringing other players in, given where they sit in the league right now? perhaps from a creative standpoint in that team? Yeah, a creative midfielder would have been probably nice for them. Also, 27 goals in 23 games is pretty abysmal for Arsenal. So I think any sort of players up top, but it's always tough to, to look back and say what they should have done because you never really know any deals that may have fallen apart at the last minute or just who was available. So I think a striker or an attacking midfielder would have been nice for Arsenal, but it right now it doesn't really look like they – it would be very difficult for them to push into a European spot. So if they can kind of get their stuff together and 
do any sort of climbing up the table, that would be beneficial. But yeah, a pretty pretty quiet January for Arsenal. Yep, for sure. Okay, on to, on to Aston Villa, um, an inbound transfer for them, an interesting one here. Morgan Sanson from Marseille, a club in turmoil of Marseille right now. Um, they've got their their fans are rioting and revolting. Um, Vias Boas left the club recently over um, inbound transfer activity, and they let Morgan Sanson go to um, to Villa. Friend of the pod, Dave, um, from Malhai Magpies, uh, was a big fan of this guy, was very excited to see him in the Premier League, um, couldn't sing his praises enough. So I think that's interesting, but they strengthened it in an area field where maybe I thought they might not need to, given the kind of breadth of players they have at their disposal there. Ross Barkley, I think, you know, who's keeping him out of the side right now? Um, you've got McGinniesta, you've got Grealish, you've got El Ghazi, you've got a lot of players at your disposal. Do you really think that's where they needed to strengthen the most? Not particularly, no. I, I thought it would have been maybe had fullback, if anything, they, they would have gotten some additional players. That one was a bit surprising for me as well, because you're right, that's arguably the one position that they are quite deep in but yeah we'll see we'll see if dean smith has a plan for it he's he's been doing a good job this season so i would i would trust him right now yeah it's a good point yeah he's he's definitely made some astute signings on the way out from villa Henri lansbury um on a free transfer to bristol city stealing a career zach stealing a career yeah he hasn't really ever done much has he he doesn't score a lot of goals no, back, back, back to the championship with you, Henri. Uh, okay, exactly. on to on to Brighton. Um, we'll go outbound first. We mentioned Matt Ryan um, going to Arsenal. Another Brighton legend, legend, Premier League legend, Forest bound Premier League legend, just just football legend in general. I would say to Nottingham Forest, our friend, friend of the pod, Skeletor himself, Glenn Murray. Zach, what did you make of that that transfer? All that I make of that is I want Forrest to get promoted this season. That's all that matters to me now. I have no idea if they're close to the promotion. Brighton or down, surely, with Glenn Murray leaving? Brighton, Brighton must be relegated this season. No no leadership now that Glenn Murray is gone, despite the fact that Brighton (laughs) is one of two clubs alongside Manchester City to have not lost in their last five matches. So uh, we will see if this blow to their egos uh, becomes a, a pretty severe one, but the the one player coming in for Brighton, Moises Caicedo, is that how you pronounce it? Caicedo. Caicedo, yeah. Moises Caicedo from Independiente, uh, the Uruguay, Uruguayan teenager, or excuse me, Ecuadorian teenager. Have you heard anything of of this player? I haven't. I'll be honest. I heard I'd heard nothing of him, but the hype around this guy is off the charts. Um, he's a playmaker. He's supposed to be the next big thing. There were other teams in the market for him, and he was convinced to go to the South Coast uh, to Brighton. Graham Potter pulling this one off. Are you kidding me? This is this is this may turn out to be a fantastic signing. Keep an eye on him for only six million as well, which is crazy when you think about like some of the signings. Um, that, that you know like wolves have made with fabio like for 40 million this guy comes in for six might end up being a steal zach yeah I, if i had to guess i would say that Graham potter maybe was the only manager or brighton the only club to be able to guarantee either starting football or significant football i i would i would wager a bet my you know my knowledge of football being decent that probably some bigger name clubs came in and said, you know, you, you'd be in the reserves or you'd be making your way through our U23, U21 side. And Brighton said, we will give you first team football. And that's probably a big allure for a a teenager coming 
over from South America, but we'll have to see how it goes for him. Now, on to Burnley. I, I think I would have bet you that Burnley doesn't. Burnley seems like a club that would never, ever make a move in January, and nor did they. No out or well, no incoming or outgoing players. Well, that's the story right there, isn't it? The takeover just happened a month ago, and you know there there's all these harpings of how they're going to invest in the team, and not a peep from Burnley in the transfer window. You know they'll they'll still be fine. They're in decent form in the league. They're below Newcastle now, but they've been they've been certainly picking up their performances recently. I have no worries about them necessarily, but I think the lack of activity in the transfer window itself was the story. Uh, On to Chelsea, um, inbound nothing, not a huge surprise. Change Makes in managers sense. just happened. Um, obviously, they need to settle in, and they spent a shit ton of money in the summer, so that's not super surprising. A um, couple of outbound loans: um, Danny Drinkwater to Kasim Pasa in, I think that's Japan, right? Is that um, Japanese team there? I'm not sure. All right. Well, I'll tell you about the sure, other one maybe. while you look up Kasim Pasa. Uh, Fikeo Tomori, uh, Greg uh, of CHN Radio's boy, Fikeo Tomori, has gone out on loan to AC Milan. Noticing recently a lot of English players making the move from the Premier League to the Serie A. Uh, we've seen a lot of success with those players as well. This is just a loan, uh, but quite interesting that AC Milan picked up a Chelsea youngster. Um, shows really how AC Milan, I think personally, have kind of fallen from grace a little bit in recent years. The fact that they're picking up loan signings from fifth place teams in the Premier League, um, although they are doing well in Serie A this season and Zlatan is on fire. It doesn't seem like the AC Milan of old when you think about the class and quality of players that play there. The uh, I think that's a bit. I think that's a bit harsh. Fikayo Tomori has proved himself to be a decent defender and and could serve a purpose at AC Milan. And again, depth is the name of the game, especially when you're going for a title and you're still in several domestic or international cups. So I don't think it's the worst move in the world for Milan. Casim uh, Pasa, not a Japanese club. Do you want to take another guess? You were close. Mm. Is he playing out there in China where Rafa used to be? He is playing in Turkey. You were not even remotely close with your guess you said I was on playing. a Japanese club. Uh, Doesn't matter. Sorry. You were off base, and I had to punish you for that one. Uh, but Danny Drinkwater, <laughs> yeah, the, the the most recent of players to go from Leicester to Chelsea and now is not playing terribly well or a terribly high amount. So from there, staying in London, Crystal Palace – uh, one incoming player, Jean-Philippe Mateta, a loan from Mainz in Germany, a 23-year-old striker, French U21 international, a good move for Palace. We've talked for a while about how goal scoring is an issue there, uh, although Batshuayi, you know, decent striker, Benteke, decent striker, neither of which have really been able to put together a terribly consistent run of form. And then outgoing Max Meyer. That was an experiment gone Horribly, horribly wrong for Crystal Palace over the last three seasons. Zachary Max Pensack Meyer released True. from Crystal Palace. Uh, I don't think anybody will really be shedding too many tears about this one. On the inbound side of Palace, you mentioned Mateta. They, they failed to score again today against Leeds. Uh, they just they still haven't figured it out for me. And I know this is a loan, but this guy doesn't seem prolific necessarily from Mines either. So, um, yeah, just a kind of run-of-the-mill transfer window, I would say, for, for Crystal Palace. On the Everton side, a pretty exciting incoming transfer for them. Somebody who's been hot property for a while right now, 
and they got a steal on this a nominal fee not really quoting exactly what it was believed to be around six million for josh king from bournemouth whose contract was expiring this coming summer um so quite quite the signing for everton and in a position where i thought they actually did need to strengthen they don't have a lot of depth outside of dominic calvert lewin given that um uh, moise keen went to um, psg in the summer yeah, I, I agree. That was a, a very solid coup for Everton. Josh King, a player connected with Newcastle with a number of other Premier League clubs in the summer, and to to kind of a get to get him for essentially nothing is a, a good patient job by Everton. Yannick Balase, Balazi, Balazi, going out on loan to Middlesbrough. See if he can cut his teeth in the Championship. So one in and one out for Everton. Yep, exactly. Um, on the Fulham side, coming up next, uh, nobody outbound of note, but inbound, um, they signed an ex-Mackham, Zach. There's more reasons to hate Fulham. A uh, 22-year-old Nigerian ex-Mackham striker, Josh Maya, M-A-J-A, uh, from Bordeaux. They have a $9 million option to buy following the loan. Can't say I'm super excited about this, nor do I think this will necessarily make the difference for Fulham. For sure. I, again, a, a smart move in the sense of putting in a striker with a, a team Fulham that has scored 17 goals in 22 matches. Mitrovic certainly isn't the answer there. I could have told you that five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, one year ago, or this year. Anybody who thinks Alexander Mitrovic is a good striker is an idiot and always has been an idiot. So, smart move for Fulham. They failed to win in their last match against West Ham. It was a nil-nil draw. Um where actually Alexander Mitrovic kind of lured Thomas Suchek into a red card that has since been rescinded because it was a ridiculous red card to be given. But I'm kind of ranting now. Fulham will probably still go down. Hopefully they will go down because I think if they don't go down, Newcastle might go down. But uh, <laughs> it made, yeah, it made sense for them to bring in a striker and it made sense for them to not shell out any players of note. Yep, exactly. Okay, onto leads. Nothing to talk about there. No, no inbound, no outbound of note activity there either. Leicester, no inbound signings, but a couple of players leaving the club, including ex Toon Loney, Islam Slimani to Leon. Were you sad to see him go from your beloved Leicester's act? Brutal, brutal loss. He was as ineffective for Leicester as he was for Newcastle over that half of the season. Damari Gray was an interesting one. That was a highly touted name a few years ago, letting him go to Bayer Leverkusen for just two million pounds. He's fallen pretty far down the pecking order of uh, Leicester attacking players behind Iannaccio, behind Vardy, obviously, and every attacking midfielder they have. So not terribly shocking there, but as you said, no players coming in. Uh, Lester trying to run with what they have to uh, solidify Champions League football for next season. Still my favorite chant for any Newcastle player that we've had really in the last five to ten years for Islam Slimani when he came on. Not deserving of it at all, but ooh, I want to dance with Slimani. Still still one of the classics. Eh? Ooh, I forgot about that one. I've always loved the, uh, the crash my car into a bridge, I don't care, Paul Dummett, or the... Um, the Modiame one has to be has to be the best. Girls don't like boys. Girls like Modiame. Modiame, yeah, I think that one that one's probably the best one. Uh, okay, so on on to Liverpool. Uh, a couple moves being done by Liverpool. Incoming Ben Davies, not from Tottenham, but instead from Preston. <laughs> yeah. This is a 
a pretty small signing in terms of the Liverpool books. It was only half a million dollars. And then a loan with option to buy, defender from Schalke. Everybody probably could have guessed that if Liverpool was going to bring in players, they would be defenders. Uh, Ozan Kabak. I don't know a lot about this player. I did read a lot of people fairly surprised. Kabak not getting a ton of time at Schalke this season. It did seem like Liverpool kind of was just going for whatever was out there. But have you looked into this player at all, Adam? I haven't. No. The only thing I can tell you that I that I know that was not mentioned by you was that Newcastle were surprisingly in the market for this guy, and he decided that he would go to Liverpool instead. The other interesting thing of note, I think, here, they let him go, Schalke did, and they subsequently brought in both from Arsenal, Kolasinac, and Socrates as well. So they got plenty of cover inbound from a transfer standpoint for him but yeah I mean, no surprise like you said that um that they bring in two central defenders ben davis certainly a prospect for the future but i'm sure they want Quebec to be making an immediate impact there certainly while virgil van dyke is out on the outbound side <laughs> takimi minamino on loan to southampton uh scored a wonder goal against newcastle probably goal of the game i would say Maybe an argument that um, the the free kick was a little bit better from uh, Ward Prowse, but what what a touch and finish for for this goal from Minamino. I did read a funny, as you know, um, I love soccer on Sunday, which is a satire page, and they wrote an article about how after this game, Jurgen Klopp made a thirty million pound offer for Minamino, <laughs> forgetting that he was on loan from from his own club because That's Liverpool just like right there. <laughs> like to buy all Southampton's players. So <laughs> that is true. No, that that's actually that's actually a very fair point. Uh yeah, Minamino as you said a a young prospect for Liverpool. Um I, I believe he is 20 actually not young, 26 years old, but recently was brought on to Liverpool and has gotten almost no time for them. But uh yeah, uh, interesting we'll see if either of the the players for Liverpool make an appearance this season. Uh, onto the team that lost or that Liverpool lost to on the weekend, Man City, bringing in uh, Philip Stevanovic from Partizan Belgrade. Uh, so, bringing an Eastern European enforcer, a winger, which of all positions is a funny one in my mind for Manchester City to bring players in for, as they have numerous wingers on that team. But for seven million pounds, it's a drop in the bucket for Manchester City. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like one for the future that they're signing here. He's been pretty – I read a little bit about him, and he's been pretty prolific for Partizan for, for some time now. They're very excited to to have him go to Manchester City and prove um, another Serbian player, obviously, that he can that he can cut it in the Premier League. Outbound, none of note for Manchester City. Some youth players, nobody of note there, though, headed out on loan. Manchester United, we talked about this transfer incoming a little bit already, so we won't spend a ton of time on it, but exciting Ahmad Diallo. You're much more of a Serie A guy than I am from Atalanta for $20 million. What can uh, What can Manchester United fans expect of Ahmad Diallo, Zach? Uh, Diallo, a definitely an exciting prospect, as you said, coming out of Atalanta. Atalanta, a team that's known in the past few years for just outrageous goal scoring prowess. Uh, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how he fits into a Man United lineup that has seemed to kind of settle in the in the past few weeks. And uh, it appears that Ole is not only at the wheel, but kind of has found the formation that best suits. His team, the outgoings are a bit more interesting for me. Jesse Lingard, who played zero minutes uh, for Manchester United, kind of the forgotten boy at Man U, getting loaned out to West Ham and scoring twice on his debut 
for West Ham in their win against Aston Villa. So what a dream debut for him. And then the other one, Marcus Rojo, this is a, uh, a full or a, a complete transfer, not a loan going uh, back down to Argentina, Boca Juniors to be specific. Yeah, on the Lingard one, I was trying to think of it as you were mentioning it. Did Lingard play for Moyes at Manchester United? Was he, were they there at the same time that they got that previous relationship there? Is that one of the things that maybe swayed him to come? Maybe, maybe, maybe he was like coming up then. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. been he's been around for a while, Lingard though, so it wouldn't shock me if that were the case. So either way, I mean, interesting transfer for West Ham, I thought, but we'll, we'll get to them here in in a moment. Before that, though, let's talk about our beloved Newcastle. Uh, Joe Willock coming in on loan from Arsenal, box-to-box midfielder, adding a little bit of pace and energy to the team, a little bit of tracking back as well, had a great debut. And then really on the outbound side, um, Rolando Ahrens, um, quite the prospect in his day, finally made a permanent move away from St. James's Park, though, to Huddersfield. Um, and then DeAndre Yedlin has left the club as well to Galatasaray in Turkey. So a couple of interesting transfers there. A lot of people critical of the Yedlin transfer outbound, less so of love for Yedlin and more so because of the lack of defensive cover we have right now. Yeah, I'd say it's a little of both. I mean, obviously as an American, I have an attachment to Yedlin, uh, but he, he was, he had those two games this season where he came in and, and put in a shift, but he has kind of fallen behind uh, a number of players. I would say, yeah, the, the lack of defensive cover is a bit concerning. And I think this is a classic Newcastle situation of Yedlin's not getting a lot of time. So the upper hierarchy of Newcastle must think why in the world would we pay a player, not understanding the importance of having depth in a side, especially now that Newcastle seemingly is losing every defender to an injury. So I wasn't terribly pleased with that one. Couldn't really be bothered about Rolanda Irons leaving. That was something that I think is best for him, best for the club. But yep, uh, so far so good with Joe Willock, so can't complain. Yep, absolutely. On to Sheffield United. No inbound transfers of note. Quite surprising when you consider their their precarious situation in the league right now. And then from an outbound standpoint, uh, Reese Arrington Davis, Walsh International, was recalled from his loan at Luton and has now gone out on loan to Stoke. Um, the club recalled him and put him out on loan to Stoke to do with minutes. Um, they were anticipating that he would get more minutes at Stoke, and there's a large Welsh contingent at that club. You wondered why that was in there, Zach. That's why, because he is the future of Wales at the left-sided wing-back position, my friend. Wow. I did not realize that. I didn't realize the magnitude of that bullet point in our outline. So thank you for bringing that up for me, Adam. I appreciate it. I got you. Southern Coast team, Southampton next, bringing in, as we said a few times now, Minamino from Liverpool, outgoing Shane Long, another player who's kind of stolen a career in the Premier League, going to Bournemouth on loan, and then Jan Valery. I, Shane Long's not very good. Uh, and then Young Valerie going on loan to Birmingham. So two players going down to the championship. Yep. Valerie, a player who scored a couple of goals, um, some cracking goals a couple seasons ago, but has really failed to materialize the career that we wanted there for him. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting window for Southampton. Hopefully they can uh, continue to, well, I should say, turn around the form a little bit and continue some of the early season form they had. The good, good side there. On the Spurs front, um, no transfers of note. I guess that's the story, right? No, Nobody inbound, nobody outbound for um, Jose Mourinho. On the other hand, though, West Brom had a little bit more of a successful transfer window. I actually really like both of these signings for West Brom. An experienced midfielder who's really been there and done that, got a T-shirt from West Ham, Robert Snodgrass coming in for 
an undisclosed fee from West Ham. And then Ainsley Maitland-Niles, um, who has a point to prove and wants to make the England squad for the Euros, coming in on loan from Arsenal. Two players, I think, that can really help West Brom. I still think they're up against it, uh, but a stupid of business from Big Sam there. Yeah, well done. I mean, veteran Premier League manager can bring in a veteran player with Snodgrass and Maitland Niles, yeah, desperate for for minutes. I don't think he has a shot at Euros, but obviously as a as a young player is is trying to push for it. Outgoing Charlie Windsor to QPR, not much news there. Uh, and then on to the other West team in the Premier League, West Ham. We've mentioned bringing in Jesse Lingard, the forgotten man at Man U, who had a fantastic debut game. We'll see if he can continue to to cook on the wings of West Ham. And then side Ben Rah. Jesus, I always have trouble pronouncing his name. Saeed Benrama, 20 million pounds from Brentford, was linked with almost every club in the Premier League this past summer. This was a great move for West Ham, especially pretty much just doing a like-for-like like in terms of transfer funds with Sebastian Haller going to Ajax for the same amount. So, you know, in with the new, out with the old. Yeah, it was an interesting one, this one, because he's obviously been at the club for the first half of the season too, but was on loan initially. Perhaps they were waiting for that Haller outbound transfer to Ajax mm -hmm. to be able to fund this one, because they have spent a decent amount in the past few years. Um, but yeah, I, I'm far more excited about Ben Rama than I am about Haller. So uh, decent bit of business. Has yet to set the world on fire for West Ham, but I think he will. Give him, give him time. He's a top quality player. I think he'll he'll come good. Nice. As we said before, Robert Snodgrass, the other outgoing player from West Ham going to West Brom. And then to close out the Premier League, Adam, Wolves. If Wolves are going to make any transfer, it has to be a player that speaks Portuguese. This one, not a Portuguese national. William Jose alone with option to buy for 20 mil from the Real Sociedad. A Brazilian center forward, so don't, don't worry, Adam. He'll still be able to communicate with the rest of the players <laughs> on the club. Uh, another player that I haven't really heard too much of before, he's never played for Brazil, and I admittedly don't really follow La Liga too well, so I haven't heard his name, but a decent goal return. Over a goal every three games for uh, William Jose playing for Sociedad. And again, with you know maybe indicative of how long they think Jimenez will still be out, providing some cover at striker there. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, you're putting a lot of stock in Fabio up front as a teenager to come in and really carry the mantle of a top class striker um, like Raul Jimenez. So I think this this is a decent move for them. Um, they've got the option to buy. It is just a loan. Why not? It, it makes perfect, perfect sense for Wolves. That's where they needed to strengthen in my eyes. And then Patrick Coutron, um on loan to Valencia. A little bit surprised there. Um, I think he, you know, I think he's a player that could have done a job there, but yeah, obviously. Nuno Espirito Dos Santo thought differently, and he knows much better than I do. So, yeah, first team minutes I think is the name of the game with January loan outgoing loans from clubs. Is you you want players, yeah. especially players that you have hopes will improve and reach their ceiling. You want them to be playing day in and day out instead of wasting away on the bench or in the reserve side. So, uh, yeah, a bit surprising, but I I think probably as you said, Nuno probably knows a bit more than we do about how to improve a football club. That is absolutely true. All right, so that wraps up our um, transfer window recap. Not a ton of activity, I would say, to summarize here. Not not surprising necessarily in the midst of a pandemic. Lots of loans, very little um, cash outlay here from, from a lot of teams. Before we head into another commercial break, Zach, I'm going to actually give you your first clue for the REPL trivia question for the week. So to, uh, to go back and 
give you the question again. Which player scored the fastest Premier League hat trick on record in a total of two minutes and 56 seconds? That's less than, Zach, a goal a minute. Your first clue. This hat trick happened towards the end of the 2014-2015 season. So it happened in the last six, seven years. Still thinking, you might, still thinking you know who it is? I'm a bit foggy on it. I, I have a general... I, I think I know what team the player was playing for, but I'm between a couple of people here. So we'll, we'll see if I can pull this out of my hat with your third clue. Uh, yeah, let's take this quick commercial break. We'll come back. Uh, Dane and Adam will be chatting about Arsenal and everything Joe Willock, and then we will get into the final few sections of the pod. So be back in a moment. All right, we are back with our third and final segment of the False Nines for today. Adam, who did you speak to today? You, t- you said you spoke to Dan. That's a bit of a dumb question, but what are you and Dan going to be talking about? What did you talk about? Who is Dan? What is he like? <laughs> I wish I bet you wish you could have that time back again there, Zach. Uh Dane Jensen, friend of the pod, Arsenal fan, longtime listener. Um, he's the first person I go to when I want to talk Arsenal. Um, and I did. I talked to him about Joe Willock, Newcastle's loney that's come in through the end of the season. We also talked to Dane a little bit about his thoughts on the Arsenal situation at present. I hope you enjoy it. Um, it was very candid, shot from the hip, including a beautiful story about how Dane got involved. Uh, as an Arsenal fan. Uh, Spoiler alert, it was for love. Um, Enjoy it. Um, It's going to be a great one. All right, welcome to a special edition of the False Nines. I am here with Dane Jensen, friend of mine from Denver, Colorado, longtime listener of the pod. How are you doing today, Dane? Oh, I'm fantastic, my friend. Thanks for uh, for the call, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, I understand you're, uh, you're out in, where are you, in Florida now? Are you on the East Coast? Yep, out in Florida, just on the road. So just uh, just left Miami. Oh, there you go. See, living the dream out there. I love it. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, Dane's with us today to talk a little bit as an Arsenal fan. Uh, we'll talk about how he got into Arsenal for a while, but obviously we're doing a special today on the transfer window and the signings within it. Newcastle didn't have very many during that transfer window, but they did bring in a last-minute loan signing in Joe Willock. Dane's got a lot of knowledge he can share with us about Joe Willock, having watched him play for several seasons now. So we thought we'd kind of get a little bit of insight onto Willock himself. And then we want to, as we're a Premier League podcast, dig in a little bit on Arsenal. Very much a transitional time for the club right now. I'm really curious to hear what Dane has to say, good or bad, <laughs> about, about Arsenal at the moment. You, you ready to get into it, my friend? Yeah, you bet, brother. All right, let's do it. Okay, so first question for you, Dane. How long have you been an Arsenal fan and what, and what made you decide on them as your club team? Um, I've been a fan of Arsenal since uh, 2000. Um, you know, it's kind of a funny story. I, I met my lady in high school, my, my current, still current lady, been with her for 18 years now, uh, or 21 years now. Geez, time is flying. Um, but she was a really, really big soccer player. She was, uh, um, you know, club team national champ, uh, top 100 recruit in the college. And she transferred over to my high school when I was 18. Um, and I really had a crush on her. I knew she was big into big into soccer. And uh, so I tried to brush up on it a little bit so that I could <laughs> get, in, uh, get in tight with her. And um, it worked initially, but I, I had not been a fan before that. But uh, we started dating. She had just gotten back from Europe. Her club team played uh, Man U and Arsenal. She started talking to me about Arsenal and, um, you know, how fun it was. She was a fan of, a fan of the, the men's team. 
Um, and so to get in good with her, I started watching and it just so happens that was such a unique time to become an Arsenal fan. That was the rise of Thierry Henry. And so as I started to, to learn the sport and, and, and become a fan, I just got enthralled with it, kind of obsessed, if you will, and have been obsessed ever since. I mean, hardly, hardly miss a game. So I owe a lot of that to her. So yeah, 21 years, been a, been a diehard fan, but before that had very little knowledge. So kind of a, kind of a unique way I found my way into, um, into the Arsenal side. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So you did, you did it for love. I think that's one of the best reasons we've ever heard for somebody to kind of pick a team, right? Best or worst, you know, if you ask some of my friends, they, they, they give me a bad time. No more, uh, no more football Americano for me. I, I, <laughs> I catch a lot of grief for it, but, um, but I'll sure tell you, man, I try and convert everybody over to it ever since I've been a fan. It's, uh, it's incredible. I'm glad it, it, it found its way into my life, to be honest. Awesome. That's good to hear. Um, off, off the cuff question for you, if there was a rival for your wife's love on the Arsenal team when you first started supporting it, is there one player that she was obsessed with that, that might have rivaled Dane's love for her? <laughs> Henri is an obvious one, without a doubt. What really aggravated me, though, is uh, as time went on, she became a big fan of uh, Van Persie's, and I didn't see that coming. But um, but yeah, she would have definitely left me for Van Persie if given the opportunity. <laughs> That's, That's a tough a, one. But I know Van, Van Persie's today. a tough conversation for Arsenal fans because he made that switch over to United. So exactly, it's like compounded now. So when she ever brings up the name, it's uh, yeah, it's it's nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> Good stuff, man. All right. So uh, as I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about Joe Willick today. Um, we, we've just come off the back of seeing Newcastle uh, win 3-2. We're recording here Saturday afternoon after a 3-2 win against Southampton, in which Willock actually scored the opening goal on his debut. So we've seen a little bit of what, what we might expect. But, but overall, what, what do you really think Newcastle fans can expect from Joe Willock as a Newcastle player? I mean, I think he's going to bring a really, really good energy. You know, I, he's the type of guy that needs more games and needs more Premier League first team games. And and I was really floored um, with uh, with the loan, to be honest with you. I think Newcastle can expect a guy of, of all around quality. Like I wouldn't say there's anything he is an A plus at. Right. But he can do everything pretty well from the midfield position. Um, and, and I think he's going to lift their spirits with some youth. He's got something to prove. Um you know, I think it's a, a match made in heaven, if you will. And I was, I was elated to see him score today, as I bet uh, you were as well. And I hope we can expect more of that. Um, but I think that, you know, fundamental player does everything pretty well, um, puts in a shift, pretty dependable. Um, but, you know, much like you, I'm sure I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play a full 90 minutes for multiple games and really, really seeing what he's made of um, in that capacity. Yeah, I think in that respect, it's going to be a mutual benefit for us both, right? You want him to come back into the Arsenal side, I would imagine, after this season and be competing for a starting role. Newcastle absolutely need the help right now in that area. So um, what, what do you say is his best position? You mentioned he's primarily a midfielder, and we deployed him on the right-hand side of midfield today. Um, traditionally at Arsenal, though, where, where have you seen him playing? What would you say is his best position? Um. I think his best fit would be midfielder in a, a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2. And, and I look at him a little bit more like kind of a box-to-box type midfielder. I, I you know, a lot, of, a lot of my friends that follow Arsenal, we kind of disagree on this. I don't see him in like a number 10 role. I think he lacks the creativity. He's, he's pretty decent around the box, but um, definitely a central, a central midfielder. I mean, I was happy to see um, about how he did today and coming off the right-hand side a little bit, but um, you know, I think his best fit is, is kind of the box to box midfielder position. 
Cool. Yeah, I, I agree. Like he, he definitely put in a great shift today and was covering a lot of ground. I said, I said to a friend, he's got a lot of running in him. Um, that yeah. seems to be one of his best attributes. He's getting stuck in there. Um, and you see him contributing in his own penalty area, as well as obviously popping up and scoring a goal in the oppositions yeah. too. So um, obviously as an Arsenal fan, you are blessed and graced with like a, an amazing academy, some great young players coming through. Um, you've had, you know, thinking about the Arsenal team right now, Bukayo Saka, Edward Nketiah, yeah. you know, you've got Rob Holding, you've got Ainsley Maitland-Niles, I know he went out on loan too, but, you know, just a really good, strong youth setup there. How Smith do you, Rowe. How, Smith Rowe as well, you know, Smith Rowe, yeah, <laughs> on, he, yeah. <laughs> he, started, he started today too, yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously great players coming through. How would you rate him on a scale of one to 10 when you think about the quality of other youngsters coming through the academy? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I think last year I would have rated him a little bit higher. Um, I probably would have given him like an eight as far as his academy prospects go. But he, he took a little bit of a step down for me. I guess I'd say like a seven right now. The reason I'd say that is I think he was outshone a little bit over the last like year and a half. You did see the emergence of Sokka. You did see Smith Rowe. They really kicked on a little bit more positive um, than Willick did, you know, when, you know, 19 years old, he was starting to get, you know, some good looks. And I thought, boy, here it comes, you know, he's going to be a regular starter by the time he's 21. I see it coming. And I think I overestimated that a little bit. Now I kind of look and even the games he got in this season for Arsenal, it just, it just wasn't doing the trick, right? It just looked like he needed to become more comfortable to get more games under his belt before you can, you know, bring him off the bench and expect him to actually, you know, make a huge impact on the game. He's always very serviceable, um, you know, and I, and I enjoy him very much, but I think as prospects go, I kind of, I kind of ticked him down a little bit to like a seven. And I think that's due to the emergence of some, some really good talent around him that, that took him down a peg, if, if you will. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, when I think about Arsenal, I think about them as, you know, one of the strongest teams, if not the strongest team in London. Um, and obviously this is, this is a player that's going to be hard to get into a team like that. To ask you honestly, do you feel like Willock has enough to be a success at Arsenal? Can you see him getting into the team and staying in the team? Obviously, he's only 21 right now, but as his career progresses, does he have the talent to be an Arsenal starter? I think he does. Um, and again, boy, if you'd asked me last year, I would have said most definitely. Um, but seeing him struggle a little bit, I certainly think he does. I'm very keen to watching a lot of Newcastle games this year because I'm really interested in, um, in how he's going to do. And I think it's a big test for him. I think that a successful loan spell here really sets him up nicely to come back in the team with some of the, the needed confidence um, and a little bit of panache that, that I think he's missing. So the jury is still out, but, but being an Arsenal guy through and through, I hope he does stay and I hope to see a lot of success out of him. I just wouldn't, as a gambler, wouldn't tell you with full confidence that, yeah, he's coming back and he's going to be a regular starter. I, I, the, the jury's still out a little bit, if that's fair. Although I, I, I really am pulling for the guy, for sure. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. You know, and like you said, remains to be seen. It's a nice problem for Arsenal to have, to have so much talent coming through the youth setup. So uh, I hope he does well at Newcastle. I hope he keeps <laughs> us in the Premier League. And, uh, you know, I hope he then goes back to Arsenal and does a great job there. I think about some players in the past who've come in and really helped us out, like Kennedy from Chelsea, uh, who came in and, and did a number for Newcastle and really helped keep us in the Premier League that season. I'm, yeah. I'm optimistic that, that Willock will have a similar impact. All right, so so let's pivot a bit here. Let's talk about Arsenal, the football club. Um, it's there's a lot to talk about right now, right? <laughs> it's been, my hair gray day yeah, by day. 
It's been an interesting few seasons. Obviously, it's been a while since Arsenal have been competing in the top four, have been in the Champions League, a couple seasons now in the Europa League. Um, and, you know, you've had a little bit of a transition. I would say, obviously, the tail end of Arsene Wenger um, coming through, churning through another manager and finally landing on Mikel Arteta as your number one former player, um, very much liked and respected as a player at Arsenal. I'd love to hear your two cents on it. Obviously, as a player, it's one thing, but when he comes in and is taking over, what have you made of Arteta's career so far? We're looking at about 13, 14 months in. Ooh, uh, it's a loaded question. Um, I mean, currently, I'm I mean, well, the whole time I've definitely been Arteta in, as they say. You know, I know we hit a pretty rough spell um, where he was called under question. The the qualities that I really liked that that I am sticking behind this guy is the the way he handled issues like with Ozil or like with Guendouzi. I like somebody that definitively approaches the the squad issues with conviction. You know, he made those seem like he knew what he wanted to do. Um, he has conviction in the way he speaks, and then he shows that. I, I really appreciate that. I think that's what Arsenal needed. Um, under Emery, I just thought we were running around like chickens with our heads cut off. I always mm -hmm. thought, you know, Emery has let go of the wheel, you know, and nobody's steering the car, and, and this is driving me crazy. I think Arteta does a better job. Obviously, I'm massively disappointed with the result today and would have probably given you a different answer what's more often <laughs> yesterday, but, um, but I do back him. You know, I want to see him get, you know, the summer transfer window under his belt. I want to, you know, see where we go from there. I'm not over the moon thinking he's, he's God's gift, but, uh, but I do support him and I kind of like his style and uh, best looking Spaniard I know. Never a hair out of place, you know, you got to <laughs> That. <laughs> that's yeah, who my new that's who my wife's new crush is on is <laughs> so Thierry Henry and Mikel Arteta all right we've got to put them on our list just to, just in case Mrs. Jensen is not happy one day so. yeah yeah my goodness but I mean to your to, you know to answer your question directly like uh, I support Arteta I'm kind of Arteta in I I see that you know my impression of the team is that they are playing for this guy and that they do back the guy and uh, I feel comfortable I wish uh, the season had gone better thus far but but I'm a supporter yeah, it's been interesting just to see the comparison between the faith that the board has put in Arteta when he's been going through a rough spell versus Abramovich letting um, Frank Lampard go, right? You know, you've got two yeah. young, hungry managers that, you know, it's not their fault they haven't gone through these hard times before. It's not their fault that they haven't had the chance to build the character of being able to come the other, out the other side of that. I think the main difference between Arsenal and Chelsea is the level of investment that they've just had in the summer transfer window. So I think it, it's, it's a great thing to think about, right? I love the fact that, you know, they've, they've stuck behind Arteta. I've been, I've gone on record on the false nines many times and said, this guy, I think is the answer. I just think you're very much in a transitional time right now. You know, you're turning over a lot of your older players and you're trying to bring some younger players through and get some experience under their belts, but you know, it's going to, it's going to make for an, an interesting couple of a uh, couple of years here. I think if they, if they do stick by him. Three more for sure. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so with that in mind, what do you think is a realistic goal for this season, right? You're mid table right now. You're still in the Europa league. You've got Benfica who obviously are historically are a good um, European club side who have knocked out Newcastle actually from uh, the UEFA cup going back a while ago under Pardew, knocked us out of the quarterfinals. That was one of my <laughs> hardest games to watch as a Newcastle fan. I thought we might've got through that and maybe looked at a trophy there, but I guess they're a good team, but what, what do you think is a realistic goal for both those tournaments this season? Uh, I mean, Europa, I'm definitely thinking semifinals or finals. I, I'm not going to come out and say, I think we could win it, but I, I, I do think 
um, it's very realistic. We're going to go pretty far. And I wouldn't be surprised to see us in the finals. I think we're going to recognize that we're going to go all in with that tournament very quickly. Like I, I wouldn't, uh, that's probably the conversations right now that are going on that, that that's a good shot for us and we'll put a lot into it. And I think we have the quality to, to get to the finals. I don't want to get carried away and say, Hey, I predict seeing us win that, but I am uh, an eager fan that looks forward to us going very far. As far as the league's concerned, you know, to be very realistic, like, I mean, Adam, you and I talk all the time, you know, I'm an optimist, you know, and I've been telling you, I was going to win the league for the last five years and you've been making fun of me. Um, <laughs> I honestly think sixth, you know, you know, maybe seventh, I, I think that's where we're going to end up. I, I think things are going to settle down a little bit. It's been such a crazy year, but I think the quality that I believe that we have will shine through and get us to a, a sixth or a seventh this year, which I think would be acceptable for me as a, as a decent run for the season. Okay. So European football, like is the goal, not necessarily by winning a European tournament, you think by league placement, you think Arsenal can get back into the Europa league? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And uh, like I said, man, the Europa is going to be a tough one to call. Um, and I don't want to count as completely. I, like I said, I'm a diehard fan optimist. God, I'd love to say we're going to, we're going to win that one. We're going to sack up and do it, but uh, you know, Arsenal will let you down these days. <laughs> time to time, I don't want to get too crazy. <laughs> sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting to think about, I think about Arteta, he's proven already in the short time he's been at Arsenal that he is very much a competitive and winner in the cup competitions. Right. So yeah, there's every yeah. chance I think that you could go far in the Europa league. Some good teams left in it. Obviously Manchester yeah. United dropped out of the champions league or in it too. So there'll be a tough yeah. team to get past. Yeah. Um, but, but we'll make for good viewing. All right. One last question for you then, Dane, before we wrap. Um, we ask this of all listeners that kind of come on to any of our SB Nation Coming Home Newcastle podcasts. If you could go back and watch any Arsenal game live, which one would it be and why? Uh, tough question. Um, boy, I'd have to go back to one of the games in the 03-04 season for sure. Uh, to be there live and be a part of that would be would be pretty meaningful. <laughs> um I think the third to the last game of that season, um, we drew 2-2 with Spurs and uh, a couple great goals out of the midfield. I think it was Vieira, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head who the other midfielder was, Perez maybe. Um, but um, a game like that, you know, in a season like that at Highbury where I could uh, uh, be a part of that, that, that's what I'd go back to. So not only against Spurs and yeah. stick to them anytime, I guess the real answer would be anytime we stuck it to Spurs um, at home, I'd, <laughs> away. I'd love to be there, but um, that game comes to mind and it would certainly be a game from that season just because all of the, the lore around it. And at my time at that time in my life, that's when I was really heavily watching every single Arsenal game and, and, and became a, you know, the diehard fan. So for those yeah. sentimental reasons, it'd be, be the, something in that season. Yeah, and contextually, that was the invincible season, right? So 35 out of 38 games in, you haven't lost a game yet. You come up against Spurs, your heated, hated rivals. You're two goals down, and you want to do anything you can to not have Spurs be the piece in, uh, the team that beats that streak, right, and and stops you from going a full season undefeated, still the only team to have done that. So contextually, I, I totally get that. And I was surprised that you said it was a draw that you would look forward to go back and, and watch <laughs> most. But, you know, um, a lot of Newcastle fans, certainly in recent years, might say the same thing and mention the 4-4 draw with Arsenal when we were 4-0 down and, and came back to, to 
after halftime to, to tie that one for four as well. So, you know, yeah. make, makes, yeah. makes a lot of sense. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. Dink, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for, for making time for your insights on Joe Willock. It's great to hear about, uh, you know, a, it's great to hear a reasonable Arsenal fan because you see all, <laughs> all these ones online with these really angry videos and how crazy fam they're getting about, uh, <laughs> they're getting about Arteta and it's always Arteta out or Emery out or Wenger out. It's great to hear somebody that has some good perspective on it, man. I appreciate you, you taking the time to do so. No, thanks, Adam. And thanks. You know, I've known you a long time. That's the first time you've ever called me reasonable. So I can walk away with that as well. <laughs> thanks, my brother. <laughs> Don't get used to it. At work life, you're certainly not reasonable. It's definitely it's definitely more of a personal football life that I, that I think I would, I would sum you up in that way, my friend. Guaranteed. Well, thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for what y'all do. I love listening. I appreciate it, man. Good to, good to talk to you. Yeah, take care. All right. Thanks so much, Dane, for that awesome, awesome interview. Really appreciated getting to chat to you, my friend. Hope you uh, make it home safe from Florida on your trip. All right. Moving on to our next section, as always, Zach, staple of the false nines, 10 in 90, my friend. Would you like to go first or second today? Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I think you prefer to go second, so I will appease that and go first. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Cool. So theme for today, I alluded to this earlier with a very non-subtle hint, but all five of my questions for 10 and 90 this week are regarding players who have scored in their debut match for Newcastle United. So Joe Willick, Mm. obviously the most recent um, on that list. He is not the answer to any of my questions. So that's a clue for you, Adam. Uh, But there are eight other players who have scored in their debut match for Newcastle United and I'm going to ask you questions about five of them. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, great. Question number one. Which former Newcastle United midfielder that Joe Willick has been compared to also scored on his debut for the club on August 9th, 2015 against Southampton? Hmm. Can you tell me who he came in on loan from as a clue? It wasn't a loan. It wasn't a loan? It was a permanent transfer? Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I can, if you give me Same like one second. Maybe. Same question. So, so the date is kind of the key here. August 9th, 2015 was when this player came in on loan and he came from, let's see, which club was it? He came from PSV. Oh. You got me here. I, I don't. I don't have an answer. I thought. I thought I had a, an idea, but I'm, I'm. It's not who I was thinking. Genie Wijnaldum. Came for PSV. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, he's Dutch. Dutch. Dutch I get that. Sense, but yeah, I didn't, yeah. Didn't know he played for for PSV. There you go. I thought. I thought the that Joe Willick has been compared to might have might have helped you there, but box to box midfielders, both of them. Um, yep. All right. Question number two. I think you will probably get this one. Uh, no pressure though. Which former Newcastle United striker who played 68 matches for the club between 1995 and 1997 also scored on his debut? Hmm, 95 to 97. Newcastle striker. He played 68 matches for the club. 68 matches. 95 to 97. I'm trying not to go too early there. Uh, I'm going with Les Ferdinand. 
Wait, Lesford Nen is, is the right? correct answer. You're I almost had change that, but I cut I was you gonna off. Ch- I was going to change and go Duncan Ferguson, but yeah, Lesford Nen. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, good, very good. Uh, okay, cool. Lesford Nen was the answer. Number two, number three. Which former Newcastle United player and former Premier League manager who has only managed for five months as a first-team manager scored twice on his debut for Newcastle against Wimbledon on November 28th, 1998? So former Newcastle United striker has managed in the Premier League but only for five months before getting replaced. Did Did he manage Newcastle? No. No. Okay. Managed for five months as a first team manager of a different club that he played for. And he scored twice on his debut, November 28th, 1998. 98. I need another clue. Give me another clue. Um, Who did he manage? We have met. Mm, he managed in the last two seasons. He has been mentioned on the pod today. Oh, I'm striking out today, Zach. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So the person you mentioned about a minute and a half ago, Duncan Ferguson. Oh, shit, really? <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Forever three, three years later than Les. Uh, okay, there you go. Struggling there today, you Zach. Yep. You are. It's not going to get Super, Super Bowl hangover. <laughs> there it is. Nice. Good. You got to have the excuse locked and loaded. It's the crumble uh, cookies. Oh, ooh, ooh, crumble. If you, yeah. if any of our listeners are ever in the Denver area, Crumble is a cookie chain. Makes the best cookies in the world. Oh my god. And they deliver to your door. And they do. And they do. Uh, okay. Question number four, which former Newcastle United striker, you're seeing a theme in the beginning of these questions, which former Newcastle United striker scored on his debut, then later that season became the only Newcastle Newcastle United player ever to win BBC's Goal of the Season award? What was the time period you said? I will say it has been since 2005. Scored on his debut, and then later that same season became the first Newcastle United player ever, and this still remains, to win BBC's Goal of the Season award. I'm pretty confident I know the answer to this one. I think it's Hassan Ben-Arfa. <laughs> no, it is not Hassan Ben-Arfa. Some of the goals that Ben-Arfa scored? This goal was worlds better than any goal Ben-Arfa ever scored. Go ahead. Go ahead. Poppy Cissé. Yeah, it was a good it was a good volley. If you like that sort of thing. I prefer dribbling from your own half past seven players and, and put it Must past the goal. It, the the, the Poppy CC goal was the best goal any Newcastle player has ever scored. And I've had this argument with people before. Um better uh, than Alan, any... Shearer, Alan Shearer's half volley against Everton was better than Poppy CC's goal. No, I don't think so. Yes. Uh it wasn't. Anyway, he's not one of the people because of all the goals he scored for Newcastle, none of them were on his debut. <laughs> so he failed to make our list. Uh, there were better goals okay. in general that season, just so you know. That's why he didn't win it. Sure, sure. Uh, okay, question number five, uh, final one. This Spanish striker was at Newcastle for five years, appeared in only nine matches, and scored only once on his debut. Who is he? Spanish striker. Can you give me the time period? 
late 2000s into early 2010s. I don't know that he was there for five years, but the first name that popped into my head was Cisco. Very good. That Cisco it? is the correct answer. Five years, <sighs> nine matches, one goal. That, uh, I feel good about that. I redeemed myself with that last answer there. You did. No, that was good. That was yeah. well done. All right, sir. Well, thank you for your questions as always. I'm going a little bit um, a little bit off the cuff here a little bit with uh, my theme. I read an article this week, Zach. I mentioned this to you before I mentioned this to you before the podcast started. Um, we I read an article about Transfer Market, the site. This is a pretty famous site now, just in terms of career statistics, in terms of player valuations. A lot of the people that volunteer for the site were actually snapped up into high-paying data jobs. Um, so Transfer Market has gotten a lot of credibility this week. So I wanted to go with the theme of current transfer values for Transfer Market for Premier League or British players. So here we go. I'm going to start. And here's here's your deal, Zach. You've got to get within $4 million, And these are in US dollars valuations right now. Sound good? Okay. So if somebody's valued at $100 million, then you need to be 96 or $104 million to be able to get that answer correct. Gotcha. I'm going to start with uh, somebody who you did not think was man of the match against Liverpool uh, this past weekend. Um, and I did. Phil Foden. Current valuation oh. for Foden. I didn't say he wasn't. I actually said he he might be as well. But so that's not entirely fair. Current valuation for Phil Foden, we're going to go with 50 on the nose, 50 million. It's not a bad guess. Um, I was actually surprised with quite how high this was. It was 66 million US dollars is what transfer market has him rated See, the, at right now. U- I wish you didn't do the US dollars cuz I don't think in US dollars really and that's where I'm going to get thrown off here. But that's my excuse. So on to question number 2. <laughs> All right. We'll start thinking in US dollars. Like here we go. Now I've got okay. you got you warmed up. Um all right, I'm trying to throw you off with this one a little bit due to the age of this player. Edinson Cavani. For some reason I knew you right when you said the age I knew you were going to say Cavani. Ronnie's been playing fantastic for Manchester United. Sure um, I feel like he wouldn't, he has probably a super high wage bill, but I don't think he has a super high transfer market value. Let's go with 35 mil. Oh, you went pretty high. He's actually only valued at 13.2 million on transfer market US dollars. Okay. Okay. All right. Yep. That's and fair. 33 years old. All right. Um, we're going to go for your man crush here. Are you ready? Player number three. Mm-hmm. Hyunmin yeah. San. I mean, how do you not love Hyunmin San? Hyunmin San has to be. What, what did you say Foden was? Like 66? 66 million for Foden. Yeah. Let's put San at like 80. <laughs> it's even more than that. Hyunmin yeah. San's valuation on transfer market is 99 million US dollars. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he's phenomenal. So I like that. Yep. All right. Question number four. Um, you knew I wouldn't be able to do it without saying this player, right? Dominic. Is. Is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Calvert- <laughs> Ooh. Uh, um, <laughs> Maybe he's 35. Let's put him at 35 mil. Uh, cl- close. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's actually 49.5 million. Um, so I thought that was interesting that's, that's because... Way too, that's way higher than it should be. Well, when you think about it, that, that's what I thought was crazy. I wanted somebody who was like half the value of Hyungmin Son, right? So almost exactly half the value of Hyungmin Son. And Calvert-Lewin, less than Phil Foden as well. Um, 
been somewhat definitely. Prolific. It definitely should be less than Phil Foden. You think so? Mind. He's yeah. more proven Phil than Phil Foden at this point. Did, did um, Phil Foden has Phil Foden has a lot higher of a ceiling, I think, than Calvert Lewin. Also, Phil Foden is doing it. Phil Phil Foden is also the last thing I'll say. Like Calvert Lewin's a fantastic player, but Phil Foden is starting and starring for the best team in the Premier League. As I've said many times, if you put Calvert Lewin into Manchester City side, he would score you a hatful, and you would not have the Gabe Jesus problem that you have at City right now. So, okay, that's a, that's a decent point, but Foden is a winger, and that is again where Manchester City might be at their deepest. And he is starting, and he is playing some of the best football of any player on that club. But don't again, disagree with I, at all. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you. So, what is your response there? Question number five. Um, all right, final final player for you, Zach, friend of the pod. Adebayo Akinfenwa, what is his current transfer market value? If you get this wrong within four million US dollars, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Let's go with four million US dollars. <laughs> You're still within the range. It's 165,000 US dollars. So yes, you finally, <laughs> you finally got one right. I was actually offended uh, reading that. Granted, this guy is in his 40s already, but I was, I was is still he kind actually? of. He's in his yeah. 40s? Yeah. Wow. Oh. Damn. Yeah, he's, you'd he's, think, he's at, least, you'd think at least a fifth of a million dollars. <laughs> I know, right? I, I had to throw it in there for, for shits and giggles. That's good. I'm glad I took the very safe option there because I knew there was no way it was over four million. You knew it was more than zero and less yeah, than exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was perfect. Exactly. Good. It was a safe guess. It was smart. That smart. was good. That was okay. Fun. You ready for your Welsh word of the week? Please. I can't remember if I've done this one before, um, but it is one of my favorite Welsh words. So I'm going to spell it for you and see if you can write this it. out. I need to start ready? doing this more often. Yeah, go ahead. It, it's a little bit longer words. So it's probably a good call yeah. to write it out. Okay. It's right. A, A, M, B. Okay. I, W. L, A, N, S. L, A, N, S. Okay. A M B I W L A N S. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's go with. Ambuith. <laughs> One more time. Ambuith. Look at it phonetically and see if you can figure out what that word might be, Zach. One more time. You might be able to guess what the word is. It's very similar to the English word. Is it ambulance? Ambulance. It certainly it's is. Ambula. Ambula. Yeah, I think you I think you have done that one before. <laughs> I think I, I, yeah. Not as good. I could I couldn't remember whether I've done it before, but uh, hey, it's a it's a classic, so not too bad. I, that is a classic. Classic Welsh <laughs> word right there. There you go. All right. Uh you ready for the answer to our trivia question, Zach? I am, yeah. All right, I'm going to give you one final clue before we do it. Just to recap again, which player scored the fastest Premier League hat-trick on record in a total of two minutes and 56 seconds? Our first clue midway through the pod was that the hat-trick happened towards the end of the 2014-15 season. And the final clue for you, Zachary, the time of the ha- at the time of the hat-trick, this player played for Southampton. Southampton. I, I didn't process this when i did this but i insulted this player during the podcast today it's shane long it is not shane long no Wait, it's not shane see this is why i got all mixed up is i saw shane long's face it's not shane long shane long i think has one of the records as one of the earliest goals in in the premier league that's what game. i'm thinking of. Yeah. I think yep. I think you're, that's exactly what you're thinking. yep okay. he scored 
very quick time, but no, didn't get a hat trick. Is it Danny Ings? Uh, it is not. However, the team Danny Ings played for the team that this player now currently plays for. So Ings went. Ings <laughs> okay. went from. So Ings went from Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool yeah to Southampton. He plays for Liverpool. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's Sadio Mane. It is absolutely it's Sadio, Sadio Mane. Mane. That's right. I remember that. That was nuts. Yeah. Two minutes and 56 seconds, and shortly after that, signed for Liverpool. <laughs> exactly, yeah, as, yeah. as any Southampton player does. Yep, exactly. So, cool. All right, well, we'll have more trivia for you next time on the pod. To wrap up today, Zach, let's talk about some games that we're looking forward to this coming weekend. Uh, what, what do you got on your list? Um, I would say the matches that I am most looking forward to on this upcoming weekend, Leicester-Liverpool. Certainly uh, the early match on Saturday, that will be a good one. Two clubs that uh, really need a win, Liverpool more so than Leicester, but uh, Leicester, if they want to keep their slowly fizzling uh, title hopes alive, need a victory there. I'd say Leicester-Liverpool, actually a few good matches this weekend. City-Tottenham is another one. That'll be an interesting one just because of the pedigree of the managers. I think that Manchester City is miles away the better club right now, especially with Tottenham having a lot of issues scoring goals without Harry Kane. But uh, Mourinho against uh, Mourinho against Guardiola is a an epic matchup of minds. So I'd say those are my two. Um, do you want one more, or you want to? I'll take that final you, one. You have the third. Uh, well, I have a third, but I also have three words for you on that Man City Spurs game. Park the bus. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. If you're a Spurs fan looking for a goal fest, watch a different match because there's no chance that Tottenham comes out to score. Although Harry Kane is back and did score. Is he? Past weekend. Yep, did score this past Oh, he weekend. did come back. That's right. Mm-hmm. Crap. Yep. Um, all right, final game um, that I'm looking forward to. Those were two of my three as well. Is Arsenal versus Leeds. Um, look, really I'm looking forward to that one. Another, another good game for Leeds today, beating Crystal Palace 2-0. Arsenal, um, after a good run of form, been slipping a bit recently, so need to get back at it. Um, it's always an entertaining game when Leeds play, so uh, that one's on sun- Sunday morning for you listeners that are here in um, Colorado. It's going to be a 9.30 a.m. kickoff, so don't even have to get up too more too early that morning to enjoy it on Valentine's Day, Zach. There you go. Okay, and of the seven remaining matches on the weekend, Adam, which match are you least looking forward to? And I'll give you a second to think, and then we'll say it on three, because there's only one answer. Okay. Okay? Three, two, one. New Crystal Castle. Palace, Burnley. No, Newcastle. New We're going to get spanked against Chelsea. Are you kidding me? We play great against – we are Chelsea's boogeyman. Are you kidding me? Like, if there's no. a chance – oh, yeah. I mean, yes, we, we definitely are Chelsea's boogeyman. But three, three, wins, in, three wins in a row for Chelsea. I mean, yeah, yeah, Crystal Pass Burnley is not really going to be a fantastic it's game a on paper. match. What are you, yeah, get but Mon- Mon- Monday I'm going to be working as well, so I'm not going to be able to watch it. Oh, no, wait. It's President's Day. No, you're not. It's President's I'm off, Day. I'm off sec. There you go. Oh, yep, probably still there won't watch it. All right. You will watch it because you will <laughs> yell at me for not watching it. That's true. I will watch it. But yeah, it's got, Lovely. I'll, I'll watch it resentfully. <laughs> that's that i'll watch i'll watch crystal Palace burnley resentfully then to, to match you on that one fantastic sweet fantastic. anything left uh besides the always the classic plug follow all of our podcasts the chn podcast network you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast it's coming home newcastle 
and UFC podcasts. It's one channel for both uh, CHN Radio and the False Nines. Follow me on Twitter, Z Pensack. I've spelled it out enough times. So Z Pensack on Twitter. Hit me up if you have any questions. And if you have questions for Adam, send me a letter in the mail and I'll give it to him. Carrier pigeon, we've established, was my preferred method of transportation in a previous podcast. Egg. That is uh, true. One thing before we go, just want to give a shout out to a friend of mine, Johnny, um, who is in hospital right now, who is, is not doing too great. Um, but we're keeping optimistic for he's going through some health stuff. So, Johnny, if you're listening, um, hope you're well, my friend. Um, feel better soon. Looking forward to catching up with you when you're back out of the hospital. There you go. All the best wishes to Johnny. And until next time, footy. See ya. Peace. Thank you.